The heat, the smoke, the fire of this conversation with my guest, Kenny McKay, is all around what we do to keep our passion burning. And there's so much that is fascinating in my conversation with Kenny, but the hook I want to leave you with, the reason to listen to this episode and pay close attention is that Kenny and I have different feelings about how we gain the most success out of the things that we're passionate about. And I'm not going to do a ton of spoilers, but if you're interested in finding out whether it's beneficial to be single-minded in one pursuit, being writing and selling a million copies of your book, or if you can have multiple passions that feed off of each other, that is the question that we dive deeply into on today's episode. Please enjoy my conversation with Kenny McKay. I'm the Reluctant Book Marketer, and I've got just one question for you. Do you see your novel as a million-dollar asset? Because if you don't, and you want to, you're in the right place. This is the only show for novelists who want to shift their mindset away from fear and toward abundance. Because you can sell more books than you ever dreamed when you believe in what you're doing. I think the first thing that I learned really early on was to basically any expectations I had to just throw it out the window. You know, as you watch movies and, and TV shows and you have authors and they, they've written a book and they're a bestseller. And then, you know, they're really popular and I'll sit down and I'll watch a Hallmark movie with my wife where that, where that happens. I'm like, that is not how it happens at all. You know? So when I, it really came when I published my first book, and I realized that that wasn't it, that I had more and that there was marketing that I still had to do. So it was, you know, putting aside those preconceived ideas of what an author is based on movies, based on TV shows or, you know, what you think an author is and then start to look at what can you do today and how can you go forward from where you are looking forward into the future to where you want to be. It's naturally difficult in that you also have goals. Uh, how do you think about goals and expectations differently in this career? So for goals, I, I use them more as like a concrete plan of getting from where I want, where I am to where I expect to be. You know, I, I, use, I set them down and I try and use the smart goal method um, as much as possible. And, you know, some, sometimes they're, you know, I have bigger, what we call them, uh, big, big, hairy, audacious goals. You know, so I have that, but then how am I going to get to that? And then I sit, so I set the smaller goals. So I think my big, hairy, audacious goal is the, you know, expectation that for me, so right now I've only done uh, nonfiction um, and it's been a Christian nonfiction and then a one for authors, you know, so my big, hairy, audacious goal is to help you know, as many authors as I can reach their dream of writing and publishing a book. You know, so everything I do, I want to get, I plan out how am I going to get there? So the episodes that I do on the podcast, the things that I put out on social media, and, you know, and sometimes those goals are trial and error. You know, some things work really, really well. 
some things fall flat on their face with very little to no engagement. Uh, but it's a learning process. And, you know, you look at it, well, I look at it and I'll assess it and be like, okay, well, that, that worked really well. This, not so well. What can I do different? And I'll also look at the way other people are doing things. I mean, like, oh, I like that. How can I adapt that to fit my goal and my expectations? This show is currently a listener-supported show. As such, the hosting, the equipment, and the recording application are out-of-pocket expenses. For just $5 a month, you can support more than a quarter of my operating costs. If you find value from the Reluctant Book Marketer, consider supporting the show at the $5 level. You'll find the link to my Patreon in the show notes. You mentioned the the big, hairy, audacious goals. I'm trying to remember which book that comes from. We used to use that in my former life uh, as a salesperson. And I really like those because those are the the goals that, that if you get that, like everything else falls into place. If you focus on saying like, this is the thing I'm going after and you build everything around that, you know that you have a really good trajectory. Um, so you're familiar with that kind of a, a mindset Talk to me even more in depth about how you decide what that big, hairy, audacious goal is. Yeah. Uh, for me, what I like to do is I like to think about what I'm comfortable with. You know, so I'd be comfortable just talking about the podcast, the Author Your Dream podcast, and how that relates to reaching my audience's authors. So, you know, my, I'm comfortable with 50,000, reaching 50,000 people. I'm uncomfortable with a hundred thousand. So for me, I look at it and say, if I'm only going to go to where I'm comfortable, then I'm not going to go anywhere further than that. So I push myself outside of that comfort zone and I say, okay, let's look for a hundred thousand. So my big hairy audacious goal is a hundred thousand downloads. And right now I'm on like, I think I'm going on 30,500 maybe, (laughs) but that's more than I had when I started. And then by using the, the podcast to help others and to, you know, build some authority and build some traction, then people will start to say, you know, hey, this, this guy has some great stuff. Let me check out his books. Let me check out, you know, his videos and his social media stuff. So moving just slightly away from the mindset element of it, but um, how much do you notice the podcast has an impact on the books and the books on the podcast? Do you see some synergy there where you get readers who then move into listening to your podcast and vice versa? I see more of the podcast going into the readers than I do the readers going into the podcast at this time. Uh, But one thing that, like I said, I'm experimenting. And one thing that I'm really, really bad about is talking about myself. I will come and I will help anybody all day long. And the last thing I think of is help is talking about myself and promoting my book. So that's something that's that I'm weak on that I know that I have to do more, which I'm aiming to do more. And it's something that I've built into the show. So and I know that will take traction as people listen. But yeah, so does that answer your question? (laughs) Yeah, I think so. And I'm, I'm kind of fascinated. So I want to stick around there for a second on this idea of talking about yourself um, versus talking to your audience. How do you know when you're in balance with enough of you versus enough of them or enough help? Mm, yeah, that's really good. So there are some, for me, there are some programs out there that will 
do your the transcript and it'll be like this person spoke 80 percent of the time you spoke 20 percent of the time so right there you can see that there's an imbalance where i don't want to be the majority speaker i also don't want to just ask the question so something that i've been consciously trying to do is share a little bit more about my experience and share more about more my perspective so I'll come, they'll answer, and then I'll come from a different angle. And we'll talk about that. And I've had some really great interactions with guests on that. So, you know, for me, it's, I mean, you know, first you get the, the hard data. So 80% and 20%. And that's like, I looked at it and it wasn't just like a one-off thing. It was a consistent 80-20 kind of rule. So for me, looking at that, seeing, okay, this is where I can improve speak up you know because i do have i do know what i'm talking about you know i've been in i've been published since 2018 um and then just i think when you interview people you you gain their knowledge and then you if you think about it and you can build upon that knowledge you can put it into action like with your with a your interview that we did on the author your dream podcast you know i just it's been uh was it been a week yeah and i've seen my twitter following grow by 300 followers in just a week. And I'm not consistent like I should be. You know, life gets in the way, kids get in the way. You know, not that kids ever get in the way, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Well, so one thing you said, and I think this is part of where you were heading, is um, trusting that you actually have authority and experience. Uh, and, and that is very true. And it's difficult to, I guess, sit with it. I find this for myself that I have so many guests who tell me so many things I've learned about Amazon ads and targeting. I'm about to release an episode on that um, tomorrow as of when I'm recording right now on, on designing a great Amazon ad campaign. And I didn't know a ton about it before I interviewed this guest. Now I know a lot, but I mean, I actually like, I know it, I can do it. And that's a cool part of being uh, the host of a podcast is that you get to speak to authorities all over the place. Um, do you struggle with that mindset of realizing like, okay, I've learned this and now I know it. And that made me more of an expert. I think at the beginning, absolutely. Um, because it was a more, I felt like I was curating other people's knowledge and that's how I saw it at first. And then, you know, just recently, cause when I, I mentioned it before, I don't know if it was with you that I only had 30, 30 episode ideas and that was it. You know, I'm on season three right now. And I got to a point where I'm like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not half bad at this and I actually know quite a bit. So being, having that realization and that, that kind of like, you know, you're not, it's, it's those limiting beliefs, you know, I'm, I'm not a fraud. I'm not someone who's just making it up as I'm going or stealing others, people, other people's knowledge and trying to make myself, you know, build my platform on that. It's, I've got my own knowledge and my own experiences to add to it. And those are legitimate and those are worth sharing. I know what it looks like for me on a day-to-day basis. And today's a good example. It, the, it was a three day weekend uh, and it was a pretty good 4th of July weekend. Now you're, you're in England. Do you still celebrate the 4th just for the fun of it? I mean, I guess there's no fireworks for you to celebrate as inside. So, yeah, that's, um, (laughs) so we just got our citizenship last week. Congrats. And so I looked at my, my wife and I'm like, I'm torn. Do we celebrate? Do we not celebrate? We're <laughs> British and American. You know, technically we'd be called loyalists, but we, uh, we tend to have um, some hot dogs and hamburgers 
and we'll watch uh, the Patriot with Mel Gibson. And that's kind of our, <laughs> our celebration. <laughs> there you go. So, you know, and, and it, because it was a, a long weekend for us um, this morning, I just was not at my best and I knew. And so I knew that I was doing some kind of lower value things I wanted to, to engage. And so um, I was spending more time on Twitter this morning than I even liked for myself too, because it was easy. It was like a, just a low barrier to entry. Didn't take a lot of effort or energy, just kind of see what people say respond to them, build relationships. Good, good, good. What I was curious about is for you, now that you have a lot of different things you can be doing, how do you decide on a day-to-day basis? What's the highest value activity? And on top of that, do you know when you're falling into the trap of doing something that you can, because it's comfortable versus doing something that might stretch you? I think what I've been, I like to, as a person, I like to try new things and explore new things. So I never like to do same old, same old. So it's easier for me and my personality wise not to do the same thing. But if I'm like, oh no, I have something, I forgot to do something. Let me throw up a quote or let me throw up this or mock up a, you know, an image for social media and I'll just fall back on the the regular thing. But what I'm diving into now, and you may have seen it because I've, I've been doing more um, audiograms with video. Um, and just taking clips from the show and throwing them up on Twitter, throwing them up on um, Instagram and and Twitter and sharing them that way. And I've had people reach out to me from those and say that that they're really, you know, they found them really helpful. You know, thank you. And um, I've yeah, so for me, I find it easy not to fall into the trap of of not doing, you know, or falling into that comfortable trap. So. Um, yeah. And then what was the other part of your question? I think that that kind of covered it. I was thinking, I mean, the, the way we got to the question was partly the, the imposter syndrome of, mm-hmm. of being like, okay, I didn't put my best effort in today. So if there are more things you want to talk about in terms of that sense of, you know, what goes on behind the curtain versus the final product, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually there's something else that, that I like to share. Um, so for me, the podcast uh, is not my day job. You know, my, I see it as something that will enable me to do what I love doing, which is working with young people. You know, and I'm, I'm very passionate about making sure that I guard my time with my family. You know, the kids have a sports day coming up and I want to be there. You know, and if I was just focusing on just work, 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 or podcast, 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 and stuff, then I'd miss out on things that I actually love. So I love the podcast, but it's something to enable me to do what I'm truly, truly, truly passionate about, which is working with, with young people. So do then talk to me a little bit about that. When you say working with young people, what capacity, what age group, um, what, what drove that vision? Yeah. So um, age group is such a wide variety. Uh, So Youth over here tend to be 11 to 18. Um, and then, but we're also looking at the eight to 11 groups with, with my job. And I go into a school on Friday and I just get to do a lunch club with them and we play games and I do magic tricks. And I, you know, I talk to them, asking questions. Like I ask them, you know, what do you get? Where do you find your hope? Was something I asked just the other week. And, you know, they're like, what's hope? You know, once I explained it, you know, and shared where I got my hope they were, they're like, Oh, you know, this is where I get mine. And Oh, this, this year. So it's, you know, in developing relationships and, and just, 
Yeah, being there. And I had a little girl who one of the questions was, you know, who's your best friend? She goes, well, I, I don't have any friends. You know, and having kids that age, like, I'm like, oh, just broke my heart. I was like, well, you know what? I will be your friend. You know, and so it's being there. And, and I grew up, um, so my father, my dad was an alcoholic and he didn't have the best relationship, but my grandfather would pick me up on Saturdays and we go out and he was that constant positive presence in my life. And that's part of, that's partly what has influenced me in my life and what I've chosen to do is that I've had a, someone there who's had that positive impact. And I've been there. I've been that kid who's needed a positive impact. So it's kind of like paying it forward, you know, being there. Cause a lot of the kids I work with, um, they'll be from uh, I'm trying to think of the American term um, underprivileged backgrounds, um, rough neighborhoods, um, I've, I've literally watched, you know, how to avoid being knifed videos because <laughs> some of the work I do is in areas like that, you know, but it's something that I love and, and I, part of it is due to my grandfather. That's an amazing story. Um, I had a, a stint working in uh, youth care. So I did wilderness therapy for, for troubled teens and, um, that was a lot of fun. I was a troubled teen myself. So I, I, I had a similar desire to give back, um, which does lead me into kind of my next question, because now in my life, I made the decision to walk away from some of the things that I really enjoyed to do full-time what I feel like I'm on this earth to do. So the podcast is an expression of my desire to sell uh, hundreds of thousands of copies of my book, dare say a million copies of my book. I think that if I'm thinking as far as I can, I want to sell a million copies of one of my novels. Um, and it meant I had to give up things that I enjoyed. So I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying. And there's just this little part of me that's curious. Why do a podcast about publishing and selling your book? If your passion is for kids, why not do a podcast for kids? I am an eclectic person. <laughs> So I have a, a lot of passions and where I say my, you know, where I do the podcast to, to enable, you know, to enable me to do my huge passion, which is youth. It's, this is also my passion. I guess my passion is really helping people. And when I published my first book, it took me three years because I, I really struggled to get an idea of what I'm doing. And there are things that I wanted to learn that the information I was finding was from such a different perspective that I didn't think they were asking the questions I was asking from my level. You know, they had six figures coming in there, 26 books. And I'm like, you know, that's amazing, but I'm not there yet. And it was almost like, I can't, I can't be you because you're so far up here and I'm so far down here on the ground level. So I was like, well, let's, let's start a, a podcast to help people. And I guess that's really is my big drive is helping is helping people. And um, that's where the, podcast came out of was that desire to help. We're coming at it from, from different perspectives, which I really enjoy because this is where I think the listener is going to get the most benefit. I'm moving in the direction of saying I have to get rid of all of the other things I'm kind of interested in. People who have listened to my show enough know that I did real estate investing. I had rental houses. Um, I am super passionate about money. Um, I am in love with diet. I really, really like fasting and learning all about the things that fasting does for the human body. And if I had, if I had the opportunity, I feel like I could be three people going headlong at 
all of those topics, but I had to choose one. And for me, writing was the one that every day I wake up. And if I don't write first thing, and if I don't end my day reading a book, my life goes off kilter. Whereas I can have a bad day like I did on Sunday and have a little bit too much to drink and too much to eat. And I can recover from that. So talk to me some more about this because you're drawing a lot of energy from having multiple different passions and it's keeping you going. Explain to a person like me who it's like, I can't even believe you're able to do that, how you do it and and what the benefits are. Yeah. um, That's a really good question. Um, Yeah. So I think just thinking about some of the other questions and answering this question as well is that I love helping youth and working with youth. I don't love talking about helping youth. So to do a podcast, just talking about it while it would help people, it wouldn't, it would just be not as fulfilling for me. Now, whereas a book, writing a book, I love writing books. I love writing. Um, it's something that, that I've always wanted to do since I was a kid. You know, so doing the podcast, I'm able to help people because often writing is often a solitary thing. And, and if I can provide the answers to the people that need it or who are asking, you know, hey, how do I develop this character? How do I follow this? you know, outlining or plotting technique, you know, and if I can interview people who can provide knowledge for that, then I'm, I'm helping people. And I think what I do is I um, compartmentalize it. So I work, um, see Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays and Sundays um, is my youth stuff that I do. Uh, That gives me Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday. uh, If I want to work on the the podcast, if I want to work on, um, doing stuff for, for writing, if I want to do that. And I make sure that I write on a consistent basis. And that's something that I'm a extroverted introvert. <laughs> if that's a thing. So I can be outgoing. I can be the, you know, the guy who's talking to everybody, but when I get to- alone to write, that's where I kind of replenish my stocks. Uh, so I compartmentalize it and I'll, uh, I'll do Wednesday, like tomorrow, Wednesday, I'll be working on a, a podcast. Um, and then I'll be writing and then I, and I won't do any youth work as I, I did it today. Um, I was out on the streets this afternoon uh, with a church that I work with. And then Friday, I'm going into to the thing. So for me, I, I just, I block the time out for it. What about a podcast about writing that is specifically meant for the 11 to 18 year olds that you talked about being kind of youth in the UK, um, where that is your audience and you're not necessarily talking about youth, but you're speaking with those people in mind and trying to like stoke their passion and writing as a way to escape their circumstances or something. Is that something, there's a specific reason why that's not a good fit for you or, um, does the blocking and having literally different things actually create more synergy for both things? Yeah. Yeah. I think that having the different things and the blocking does create more synergy. And, and like I said, I'm the type of person that I don't like the mundane, you know, it's, it's something that I, uh, I'll go from one idea to another, to another, to another, because I get bored of one idea. Um, and then what you're talking about, I would absolutely 100% love to do that, but in a live session with young people where I can interact with them and I can feed, they can feed off of my energy. I can feed off their energy. I can be there you know, to answer a spontaneous question. And like, I would absolutely love that. And that's something that I've uh, actually been considering the past couple of months 
is can I do that in my in a community center that that's near us? Can I do that with a group of youth? Is that something that is feasible? Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I've been discovering for myself that there are areas where my podcast had a natural um, blending of passions that I have. So one of the things I've been harping on a lot recently is that your book is an asset. So I think that a lot of authors, it's not so prevalent in the nonfiction area, but when you get into fiction, which is my specialty, a lot of people are like, it's a piece of art. And if I want to make money on it, something's wrong with me and I'm selfish, or it's like lower quality. And none of those things are true. It's just, you get to have multiple brains. You get to have the creative brain. That's like, Oh, I'm going to make this amazing story. And then we got to switch over into, Hey, now this is an object that has inherent value. And I need to find the people who are going to buy it. And now it's an asset for me. It's going to make money for me. Um, so I, 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 I'm relating to saying, I completely understand. Now there's, there's places where my passions intersect and there's places where they don't. Um, I have no idea how health and fitness intersects with my, my passion for writing, but if I stopped caring about it, I do feel like I'd be missing out on something. It's clear to me that family is really important to you. So talk to me a little bit about how family, uh, mixes into the soup that is your life right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So family, um, is like, like I mentioned earlier, I grew up with an alcoholic dad and he was never there i can't remember one time where he came to a a sports game of mine and so growing up you know i learned in my dad so we have a better relationship now and my dad is a super generous man and that's something that i've gotten from him as well and so i don't want to just like disparage my father <laughs> constantly but there's a lot of stuff that i learned what not to do growing up. And so when I look at my own kids, I'm like, I want to be there. I want them to look back and say, oh, dad was there cheering me on. You know, so they are first, you know, and then there's everything else below them. And if something, you know, there are times where I have to go pick them up from school, but I also have an interview at the same time. So my wife and I will talk and she'll go get them from school and keep them out for an hour. But then once they come home, I shut everything down and then it's, it's them. So they take first priority unless there's, you know, there's a little bit of wiggle room and communication with my wife. And I couldn't do anything that I do without my wife. She's, you know, I, I tell her all the time that, you know, I could care less if anybody else said that I am doing well or supported me as long as you say I support you and what you're doing is, is valuable and what you're doing is great. That keep me going for eternity. Yeah. I love hearing that. I have a little bit of a, a different mental engagement with it. My wife has been radically supportive of what I did. I mean, I can't think of too many men who would say to their wife, Hey, I'm going to quit making money and try to do this, like writing and podcasting thing. And, and they'd be like, yeah, thumbs up. That's awesome. Let's do it. Um, so she did. Uh, but yet, the weight of her words when she tells me I like what you're doing or I believe in you for whatever reason, it doesn't like get down into the heart of me. I, I hear the words she says, but they don't like encourage me to feel like somebody believes in me. Uh, can you relate to that at all? Not necessarily with your wife, but are there ways where you want to draw encouragement from something and you just find that it doesn't get real deep into you? relate. I think I feel things deeply. Uh, another trait that I get from my dad. <laughs> um, but I think for, but especially 
just talking about my wife, you know, especially with her, you know, I grew up in, in a family where they were practical. They're like, oh, well, you can't do that because you never saw a lot of my limiting beliefs came from that. It's like, oh, well, you know, you've, you've only published one book. Oh, you've not done this. Oh, you've not done that. You know, but to have that, uh, those words of affirmation of, I believe in you, they hit me really, really strongly, especially when it's somebody that I love and care for deeply, you know, and respect, you know, that just, um, that gets down deep and that gets me going now, but there's not, um, I think I look more towards my relationships than I would towards things. I know moving here we to the UK, we had to get rid of everything uh, except for two suitcases. And so stuff is just stuff and you can lose it. You can get it back. So it's, you know, it's not really something that I put value in for myself. Whereas my relationship, my wife has been there every step of the way from, you know, moving, selling our cars to moving across country to only having like five pair of underwear, being able to fit into a suitcase with everything else. There's, it's just a specific quality of the fact that my wife says it, that for whatever reason, it doesn't go deeply. I feel incredibly deeply, Mm. but for whatever reason, when a stranger says, Hey, I like what you're doing. That is more fuel for me than when she says, I like what you're doing. I don't understand that. I hope somebody listening can maybe relate a tiny bit because it's, it's possibly a glitch in my brain. Like, I feel like she married me. So she has to believe in what I'm doing or, she sees the good in me that is not really there because um, she's a generous and kind person or whatever it might be. It doesn't hit deeply, but a random stranger walking down the street could compliment my podcast. And I'd be like, Oh, that feels good. It gives me enough energy for the full day. Okay. And yeah, no, I can see that. And I just, I love, that's what I love about people is we're all wired so differently yeah. and we all draw inspiration and encouragement and energy from different areas and different places. Whereas I, I, on the other hand, I mean, if somebody says, Hey, your podcast sucks. I'm like, Oh, okay. My wife likes it. <laughs> and I hope our wives are listening to this podcast because they are getting talked up big. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, and it's a huge, it's a huge, huge part of everything that I'm able to do to have her as a support, even though the feeling connection is busted. Failure is hand in hand with a podcast, with publishing a book, I don't know. And I'm not even going to ask you what your listener statistics are, what your number of copies sold is, how much income that's brought in. But think about all of those things where you, uh, your, your big, hairy, audacious goal is for them to be. And how do you move forward in the face of not being in that place? Cause I know you're not at your goals right now. And that tension between going there and being there is really big so i think for me it's um the goal the big hairy audacious goal is something that spurs me and inspires me forward you know when i hit that big hairy audacious goal there'll be another one yeah and then another one and another one after that so you know failure where i'm not where i want to be now i look at yesterday i'm not where i was yesterday you know like i said earlier i had 30 ideas And that was the end of my podcast career. And that would have been done in the first season. You know, so I look at that and I'm like, oh, hey, I had 30 ideas. Now I've got a list of 60 and I just got to find people who have the authority and who can talk about 
this subject. And I try and fill up at least, you know, a month, two months in advance and get them recorded and done. And I know that I'm bringing something of value to people. And I know that, you know, then my next, you know, I'm talking tomorrow. I'm recently, sorry, what's this? It's Tuesday now. So I'm releasing an episode on accountability tomorrow, you know, and then another one on the save the cat method, you know, and I know this is stuff that's going to help someone. And, you know, and I'm not, we were talking about earlier about like people's random people come in and say, I love hearing from, from people. I love hearing that, that they like the show. And I have a guy who's started a conversation with me via email just saying, Oh, Hey, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And that's all from listening to your podcast. So that's kind of like proof, you know, that what you're doing is actually having an impact on more than just my wife. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's challenging. And I think that, that most people who uh, are on this journey, we have something unique that almost no other profession does and that there is no evidence until there's an abundance of evidence. So I don't know how many episodes of your podcast you produced before you heard from, from a random listener, but um, in my case, it was upwards of 30 before I actually heard from just a random person be like, Hey, I love your show. Um, and so for all that time, as far as I was concerned, the downloads could have just been internet manipulation and mm. nobody was actually listening. Um, when you're writing a book, you might spend anywhere from six months to five years in my case, and you're never going to hear from anybody that whole time, whether it's good or not good. So this is not like a career. If you go clock in at the petrol station, um, you know how many gallons of gas have been pumped during your eight hour shift. Uh, and that's just a unique piece of this. So I think mindset trumps just about everything else in terms of if you can get your mind right, you can win this. Um, and if you can't get your mind right, you're not going to go as far as you want to. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that I talk about in, in my book for writing, writing and publishing your first book is um, deciding what success means for you. You know, like we talk, we're talking right now about success for us and we both have very different you know, ideas of what success is, is, you know, you want millions and millions and millions. I'm okay with not having millions. Would that be nice? Absolutely. Would it be fantastic? And, you know, do I hope that it would happen? Yeah, but that's not my idea of success. You know, and I, for me, when I write a book, each book has a different idea of what success means for that book. Yeah. So, and I think it's really, really important if you're, you're writing or if you're marketing or whatever, what does success look like for you? And if you don't define what success is, you run the risk of somebody else defining it for you and saying, oh, well, your book didn't earn this much or your podcast didn't do this. But if you have that, you know, this is success for me and you have that in your mind and your mindset is, is on that, then what other people say isn't going to be more important than what you already have decided for yourself. That is beautifully said. It's a perfect place to land. So do let my listeners know where they can find your book, the title of your book, and where you want to engage with them if they want to learn more about you. Yeah. Uh, so my book is called Author Your Dream, um, a guide to writing and publishing your first book. Uh, and you can find it on Amazon. Um, I am, It's in KU right now. So it, it's just exclusively to Amazon. Uh, if you want to connect with me, you have authoryourdream.com. It's my website. And then uh, you've got Twitter, um, Instagram, uh, and TikTok are the, are the big ones. Perfect. I will have a link to everything in my show notes. 
it was a pleasure talking with you. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for the, the free form, free flowing conversation. Um, uh, and I look forward to, to staying in touch and seeing your dreams continue to bloom and grow. So thank you, man. Yeah, no, it's good. It was really fun. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a big favor right now. Click on the follow button in whatever podcast app you're listening on. That way you'll get notifications every time I drop a new episode. And if you still can't get enough, you can go to the show notes, click the link for my newsletter and sign up today. I'll give you one to two interesting pieces of content every single month that you won't hear on the podcast or find laying around on the internet.